History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hey, Biblical Citizens, welcome to our show. Hey, are you starting to get a little sick and tired of wearing masks? I know I am. Do you think they work, or do they do anything except we know they impair our breathing? But we're going to especially look at children at school and how it's harming them. And kids, by the way, have almost a 0% chance of getting COVID. Our first guest today, and we have two terrific guests today, our first guest is Sharon McKeeman. Sharon is so many things. Look at this. Wife, mom, writer, photographer, blogger, athlete, community activist, fundraiser, citizen leader. I hope, Sharon, I didn't miss anything. She's organized Let Them Breathe, an organization that wants to get the masks off the faces of little children going to school. And in particular, we're announcing on this show she is leading a a, uh, a multi-organization event the next Saturday, May 1st at 10 a.m. at Oceanside Pier in conjunction with Children's Health Defense re- and Reopen San Diego. Welcome, Sharon, to our show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Sharon, you are truly an example of someone who's taken the initiative in your community, and I've been so impressed meeting with you at some of the Freedom events. What are some of the reasons you're organizing this march? I mean, I can think of quite a few reasons to do that, but... But tell us, you know, how you got inspired to do this and why. Well, I was kind of thrust into activism uh, when my students' um, school didn't open in the fall. And I'd, I'd already seen them go several months outside of the classroom, and I knew I had to step up and try to make a difference. So I've worked this whole year um, in advocacy, and thankfully the uh Schools my kids go to and Carlsbad Unified uh, are now open five days a week, and there are districts all over the county that are that are opening up thanks to our concerted efforts. However, their school days don't look normal yet. They're wearing masks all day long. Um, some uh, sports teams are being told that they have to wear the uh, the athletes have to wear masks while participating in sports, even though CDPH says it's only as tolerated. Um, and, you know, their daily lives outside of school are still, they don't look anything close to normal or healthy yet. And so uh, this is just that next step in, in advocacy and activism to, to make sure that our students and our, our kids are able to have, you know, their, their mental health, their physical health, their social well-being all um, cared for by us as adults. So this, this march is, is kind of the first step in raising awareness that there's a lot of parents that are very concerned uh, about what facial coverings, um, you know, may be doing to our our kids. Excellent. And so I just really think that that's great that you're mobilizing people because we, I've been saying, and many people like me, but like Judy Mikevitz, like the American frontline doctors, like Dr. Scott Atlas, like all the doctors of 
that have signed the Barrington Declaration, that just hundreds of doctors have been saying since the beginning of this that masks don't work, that they're harmful, and especially for children. And, you know, I heard Dr. Jim Meehan at a Freedom uh, Conference lately who has a handout, and anybody can go and get the download, 10 top reasons why you shouldn't wear a mask, because they're very harmful. And and now, because they, they lower your C, uh, oxygen level, and that can even cause brain damage with children. So, yes, this is really important. Uh, so uh, There's a lot of other reasons why the masks are harmful. And even uh, the, in the, the NIH, the NIH that Tony Fauci is in charge of, along with the NIAID, they've published a study that says masks are both harmful and not effective. So this is, you know, we can use this. People should know more about that, right? So, so Sharon, why do you think, given all this evidence, that school districts are still putting on some of the restrictions that you just talked about? Why, why are they doing this, do you think? Well, right now, the school districts, you know, are following CDPH guidelines. So I, I don't want to fault them too much. You know, we're, we're going to be organizing advocacy on a lot of fronts here. So we do believe that CDPH, now that uh, adults pretty much are all eligible for the vaccine, if they so choose, it's time to then say, okay, we know that children aren't super spreaders. We know they're not drastically affected by this disease. So um, now that adults can choose whether or not to get a vaccine and it's available to them, children need to be able to choose whether or not they're wearing a mask in public. So we feel that CDPH needs to clarify that if a a child wants to go to a museum or a child, you know, is going grocery shopping with their parents or they're part of some type of sporting or other activity, that they don't need to have a medical exemption um, to not wear a mask. At this point, it should be their choice. Uh, Can you you clarify for us? Some some of us don't know what CDPH is. Oh, the California Department of Public Health. That's kind of the overriding um, the state guidance. And, you know, what I found in our work with the schools is for every number that someone throws out, someone can throw another number or study out. But what really makes a difference um, that nobody really can argue with is we want to see our kids' smiles and our kids need to see each other's smiles. Um, you know, what, yes. I'm most, what I'm most concerned about is mental health. So, you know, there have been some very tragic things happen with kids this year. And, you know, the, the best way to connect is to see each other smile. And so we're not just concerned about safety as far as COVID. We're concerned about our kids' mental health um, and, and that safety. Absolutely. That just uh, made, I think Sharon's making too much sense, though. Yeah, she, it's too just much, common, too much sense. common sense. Like too- <laughs> you know, Sharon, one thing that I, I don't know if you're uh, wanting to address this at all, but one of the things I get concerned about relative to this public school lockdowns and, and other things related to public schools is the role politically of the teachers' unions, because I see that the teachers' unions have been demanding concessions, and I'm talking about like the California teachers' unions, They've been demanding things like defunding the police, government health care, a new wealth tax, and all these kind of things, kind of as a almost, I hate to say it, but it sounds like blackmail, or else we're not, we're not going to go back to the classroom unless you make these other concessions. Do, do you feel like the teachers' unions are a big influence in what's going on? 
Well, I know that our uh, Carlsbad schools were ready to open. And then at the last minute, um, the California stepped in. I, I believe it was under pressure from the California Teachers Association and, and put in some very arbitrary restrictions that caused them to not be able to open. And then a, a judge ruled that those restrictions were arbitrary and uh, the state had to walk them back. Uh, so and every local union, you know, there's differences. Um, but what I do know is that the majority of teachers that I've talked to want to be back in the classroom with their students. And I do know that our local I've worked with a lot of different districts in advocacy. And and I do know that they they're ready they're They've got safety precautions in place. And, you know, as far as facial coverings in schools, that's going to be a step by step process. That's why the first thing is to make sure to clarify that all kids in athletics, CDPH says they're supposed to wear masks under heavy exertion as tolerated, which means it's each individual's athlete, their decision, what they can tolerate. If they feel like they can't breathe, it's their personal decision to take it off. And the other thing is it's not always about breathing. You know, if you're doing tumbling or running um, or high contact sport and that mask slips, it can obstruct your vision, which can cause a fall, which can can have, you know, a lifelong consequence if, if the injury is severe enough. So it's up to that individual athlete. And then that same thing then carries over into PE. Our kids obviously can't be denied their physical education in school. They need to um, stay healthy. And so the same thing, if they're in PE class, you know, CDPH is saying that it's as tolerated, so it's their own decision. I think that's where we need to start, and the schools need to clarify that, yes, you know, of course everyone has to abide by that guidance and give the students um, their choice there. You know, and then the next step will be, I think, as people see, okay, the kids aren't super spreaders, the adults that are at high risk have been able to get their vaccines, things aren't getting out of control, you know, that will help with that comfort level. Let's take the next step that's healthy for our kids. Well, and I just, I know as a nurse that doing exercise, exerting yourself in sports with a mask on is just really dangerous. You're not getting your, your oxygen. You're going to, you are going to have a, a bad effect of that. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's just basic common sense. Get those masks well, off the kids. Lot, just, so yeah, what do you hear? There's a lot that people, sorry, there's a lot that people aren't, um, you know, thinking about, I think, as far as the mental health aspect as well. And the mental just health, yeah. To, just having to breathe heavily, you know, and run with something over your face or there's, Terrible. you know, yeah. kids and adults that have been through trauma that it's triggered by masks. And so there's, you know, a lot of people that are dealing with, um, you know, a lot of anxiety from having to wear or seeing a mask where they're just not able to. Um, and, so it's not just about put the mask on, love your neighbor. You know, we need to have empathy for the people that for a year, maybe even see, just seeing a mask may cause, you know, some, some really causes fear. Sharon, we, yeah. we are already coming up to the break. Please review what's happening again on Saturday, May 1st. This is really important. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, so we are having a mask-free march. We're starting at uh, the Oceanside Pier Amphitheater. We'll have a few um, experts and local activists uh, making some remarks. And then we will be uh, going on a 5K walk together. We're going to have several hundred people at least um, down to uh, Carlsbad Village. And then anyone that wants to stay and have lunch together and support some of the businesses there that are in full support of freedom and, and mass choice, um, we will be doing that. So we encourage um, everyone to go uh, to our event um, 
invite and register. And But even if you don't, please show up at 10 a.m. May 1st um, at Oceanside Pier Amphitheater. Bring a sign and bring a smile. Thanks Excellent. so much. Thanks so much, Sharon. This has been yeah. really helpful. Stay tuned, folks. After the break, we have another very special guest, Supervisor Joel Anderson, to discuss a radical attack on our property rights. And once again, that's Oceanside Pier, May 1st, 10 a.m. And you can join the, the march and have the party afterwards. Yes. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Welcome back. We just had a great conversation with Sharon McKeeman of Let Them Breathe. And at the end of, when we do uh, when we do the close of our show and Bless Your Neighbor, we're going to give you that contact information again for her wonderful organization. So in this half of the show, as I mentioned at the beginning, we are scheduled to talk with Supervisor Joel Anderson. But as things sometimes happen, Joel Anderson has been called into a very critical meeting. We don't know anything else, any other information, but an important meeting, I should say. So unfortunately, he can't make the show today, but we're very familiar. We've spoken with him prior to the show. We're very familiar with what he was going to talk about and the legislation that he's uh, prepared to address. So what we're going to talk about in the second portion of our show is some very radical new legislation being put before the San Diego County Board of Supervisors regarding both rent control and a moratorium on evictions. Now you may say, well, don't we already have this due to covid And the answer is yes, we already have this, but this new legislation, which has already passed the first stage on a pretty much a party line three to two vote, this new legislation expands it. So now it's not just about COVID. It's about, frankly, anyone who, for whatever reason, says that they cannot pay their rent as a landlord, you have no right to evict them from their property. And in fact, the hearing, the first hearing that they had, some people were actually calling in and saying, my landlord wants to kick me out just because I am not paying the rent. And I was thinking, what are landlords going to do? And if if folks, if we don't make our voices heard, and there's the, the final vote on this is on May 4th. Their meeting is at 9 a.m. on May 4th. These meetings are all done online, so you join them via Zoom or you can submit your comments in advance on the County Board of Supervisors website via email, and I really encourage you to do that because whether you're a landlord or not, or whether you're a renter or not, this is going to affect everybody big time. It really doesn't, uh, I mean, it seems like many San Diego County residents do not realize how important the Board of Supervisors is to our daily lives. This is really government intrusion into property rights, and it's going to have really lasting repercussions if this is allowed to happen. It's going to affect all renters and landlords. Uh, It'll make it virtually impossible for landlords to remove their tenants for any reason. This is just confiscation of property. Uh, what's, What's the likely outcome of this crazy proposal? 
if it becomes law? What do you think, well, Brian? I think there's I think there's multiple outcomes. Yeah, in fact, when you say you can't evict someone, it's kind of like squatters. You know, I well mm, that. That apartment looks pretty nice. I, I think I'll take it over, and I won't even have to pay rent because uh, the county board of supervisors is going to protect me. But the, very, yeah. it, and this is serious. I'm not really. This is not. This is not something to to just joke about, frankly. But here are some effects. Okay, number one, we already have a very restricted housing supply in San Diego County. Does anyone doubt that? That's the main reason. If any of you ever studied economics or read economics. What is economics? Economics is supply and demand. In San Diego County, we have more demand than we do supply for housing. It's been like that for a long time, but it's only gotten worse. So what do we achieve when we make it very difficult for landlords to have a viable business or to even keep their heads above water? What do we do with the associated restriction of rent control saying you can't increase the rent or you can only increase it? The, the uh, bill that's, that I'm mentioning also affects rents you can charge. So it says that between now and July 1st, you can only raise the rent, if at all, by 1.7%. Now, it may not matter whether you increase the rent or not if there's nothing that can let you actually collect the rent and you can't <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't evict anyone anyway that's that's kind of a related matter but getting back to the broader point the restriction on the supply of housing for people don't we Kathleen don't we already have a big problem in this county with homeless right uh so this is con- it's it's like confiscation of property because if you can't charge any rent for renting out your property you can't pay your bills landlords will not be able to pay the taxes that it takes to to maintain property they will not be able to maintain their property they will not be able to uh pay their mortgage so what's going to happen landlords are going to really suffer and then and then they aren't able to maintain a business like you say have an income they got to pay their bills but they can't have any income to help pay those bills. So then it just cuts down the, the amount of property. More people are forced on the streets uh, because so it's, po- it's just, politicians are always talking about we got to solve the homeless problem. we got to do something about that. Well, this is the exact opposite this, of helping with the homeless problem. This is going to make the homeless problem a lot worse. And the, the uh, local county board of supervisors – and our local administration in San Diego is already directly making it worse. For example, I don't know how many of you are aware, but with all the um, immigrants crossing the border and pretty much open borders that we have right now, one of the things that San Diego has done is we had over 700 homeless people that have been housed for the last number of months in the San Diego Convention Center, over 700 people. Those 700 homeless people have now been kicked out onto the street, literally onto the street, not to another place of shelter, but onto the streets of, of yeah. San Diego. And I've noticed it, by the way. If you've noticed, we, we have a lot of homeless in San Diego, but I've noticed it's increased. I not- I've noticed I was going to a salon appointment the other day, and I noticed a homeless person in the stairwell. I never noticed that before. And the reason they were kicked out of the convention center is to make room 
for the illegal immigrants, and I know we're told not to call them illegal immigrants, but the immigrants coming up across the border, they're now housed in the San Diego Convention Center. So we're taking... We're taking people that presumably are U.S. citizens. That's another whole topic, but it's all related to homelessness. A lot of things our local government is doing is actually making the homeless problem worse. And this legislation for increased rent control and increased restrictions on not being able to evict people, basically an unlimited eviction moratorium, these actions are going to even be more radical in terms of increasing the supply of homeless because no one's going to want to build new apartments, right? No one's going to want to add to the housing supply because no one's going to, as an investor, am I going to invest in rental housing if I can't even collect rents for my rental housing? Or even if I get lucky enough to get good renters, I can never increase their rent, even though my property taxes are going up, my insurance is going up. If I'm in a condo development, my HOA, HOA fees are going up, all the, and your mortgage rates, everything's going up, but I can't charge anything. So, Right. You see, just lose all control of your property, and that's what they've done with this COVID shutdown. You, don't have, you, you still own your property. You still have to pay all your bills, but you don't have the means or the, the permission, so to speak, to operate your business. So uh, it's just... It's a war against the middle class, and it's a war against property owners. It's and there's no exemptions. Just, there's no exemptions for really small landlords. You know, you could say, well, if it's a corporation and they own these apartment buildings and they have hundreds of units and everything, it is going to be hard for them. But what about the? There's a lot of people that just own one unit, or they own literally. They have a duplex. I've known a lot of people. They own a duplex. Right. They literally live on one half of the duplex, and they rent out the other half to help make their mortgage payment. Do you know that this legislation makes no exemption for even if you only have one unit or two units? There, it, it doesn't just apply to big landlords. So we can see why Joel Anderson is, is really alarmed about this, and he needs people to show up at the meeting to— Online, right. Yeah, to— to voice their concerns and their opposition because it's really unconstitutional besides being, I mean, it's immoral. It's, it's stealing property, what it is. So you'd almost think that the people pushing it don't believe in property rights. What do you think? Right. Well, it's socialism. It's Marxism. They have an ideal log mindset. I mean, they, it, when you say that, they, they have an ideology that they're going to push. They just they have an ideology, and it overrides the will of the people very explicitly. In the November 2020 election, there was a statewide proposition on rent control in favor of rent control, and guess what? It lost. It lost by a big margin. Yeah, so people, the people rejected it. The people of California, which is not exactly considered a conservative state, is it? The people of California soundly rejected rent control. And what do we see just a few months after that election? Our own Democrat three-to-two majority on the Board of Supervisors goes ahead and passes a stringent, super stringent rent control and this eviction moratorium. Folks, if you don't let your voices be heard, you're going to be, you're going to have to be I hate to say it, stepping around homeless people everywhere you go, and that's we care about the homeless people 
as Christians, we care about the homeless people and the poor. Yes, and the poor. But this is like trying to destroy the poor because they're going to suffer the most, folks. They're going to suffer the most. So, Kathleen, well, and by any? the way, the county supervisors should be holding their meetings open to the public in person, like like Riverside County, like Orange County, like San Bernardino County. We need to get them open to the public. So instead of hiding behind the the Facebook page, like that's what they've been accused of. Nathan Fletcher is hiding tell behind him, his... Tell him, Kathleen, tell him. He's hiding behind his Facebook page. He doesn't want to face the public. Right. So, folks, to bless your neighbor this week, we had two very important segments. Let me review the first one. Go to the Let Them Breathe rally on Saturday, May 1st, 10 a.m., starting at Oceanside Pier. That's what Sharon McKeeman was talking about. Right, let's get the and go to their, off those kids. And go to their Facebook group. Their Facebook group is simply called Let Them Breathe. So if you go on Facebook and go to groups, type in Let Them Breathe, and it's a, it's a terrific group. And then secondly, what we've been talking about is this horrible rent control and eviction moratorium. So the next meeting where they're going to finally decide this, May 4th at 9 a.m., but you can submit your comments online. If you want this place to to be like to the county, the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, it's very important, folks. These, These issues, these local issues almost affect us a lot more than what's happening in Washington, D.C. and what we're seeing on CNN. It's it's the whole essence of this show, right? Please, as biblical citizens, let's get involved. Till next week, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen Let's Roll on K-Praise.